This is Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. Here's your host, Wayne Burns. Welcome to Very Public Affairs, the podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. I'm Wayne Burns. On this pod, we're joined by the Australian Electoral Commissioner, Tom Rogers, who leads the independent statutory body that manages and ensures compliance with the machinery of national elections in Australia. For the 2022 federal election, the Australian Electoral Commission conducted a sophisticated red flag operation in its command centre in Canberra to identify and address misinformation and disinformation about the integrity of the election and its results, countering fake news or propaganda about the electoral process during and after the election. I talked to Commissioner Rogers about the deliberate and concerted operation held up globally as best practice. Thank you, Commissioner, for joining us. What in particular encouraged you and the AEC under your leadership to conduct a deliberate and coordinated effort to counter disinformation around the federal election? Mm, It's a great question. And thank heavens we did, uh, is the answer. (laughs) But uh, I'll I'll tell you, we started looking at this um, on our own journey after 2016, and particularly 2019, our elections here. I, I became concerned in 2019 that um, we'd been kind of caught napping a little bit because it a, was a benign environment and we weren't quite prepared for even some of the issues that emerged in 2019 because we were adopting a very you know, safe bureaucratic approach to how we deal with those things. I, I, I did become concerned and I thought that we really needed to sharpen up our responses to make sure that we could maintain the safe uh, uh, environment in which elections are delivered in Australia for which we've become uh, known. And so that was the key thing. I would be wrong if I didn't tell you that we weren't in part influenced by some of the issues we saw emerging overseas, which also worried me. And obviously, I don't want to get into the habit of talking about specific you know, countries too much, but there are things that were occurring internationally that I thought, crikey, if they happen here, I'm not sure we've got a framework in place to be able to deal with it properly. And that would include the US, of course, without being too specific. Absolutely. I mean, again, I don't want to criticise any other country because then then that becomes a separate story in itself. But we were obviously influenced by what we saw in other places, including in the US. So you established a special electoral integrity assurance task force to ensure you that the election was conducted without interference. What potential interference were you concerned about? And can you tell us a little about the task force and how it operates? We really started to think about not only federal elections, but also how we could support some of our colleagues in the states and territories to deliver elections, because we've got a view that the failure of one election is the failure of all. Quite often, citizens don't quite understand anyway that these are separate elections. So it's important to us as a group of commissioners to try and do some stuff. So way back in 17, I think it was, we went to the Council of Australian Governments and asked for their support uh, in assisting all the electoral commissions in Australia to boost our cyber defences. So that was the first uh, step. And then the task force was established and I made the decision that we would also offer the services of the task force to the state commissions. It's started as one of those things, you know, let's get a task force together and then work out what it's going to do. And since that time, it's become an established part of Australia's defence mechanism at election time with a very professional group of agencies assisting the AEC at federal elections, but also um, at state elections as well. And one of the things we learned along the way, particularly from, believe it or not, our colleagues in, in Sweden, was it's not just enough to have something like a task force. You've got to talk about it. 
because one of the defence mechanisms is that people who may want to fiddle with your election are aware you're not a soft target, they go somewhere else. So it's one of the reasons we've developed this reputation management strategy. We might talk about that a little later on, which is the, the, the document at the centre of everything we do. And part of that was to talk to the public about what we were doing. And the task force was a critical part of that. And uh, we're very grateful for the support we've received from a whole range of agencies uh, who support that task force. It's been fantastic. The Department of Finance is on the task force, the Australian Signal Directorate, the Australian Federal Police. So there is some risk or awareness of potential risk about nefarious activities or entities or agents and individuals. Would, would that be correct? Yeah, we're, and we're worried about a whole range of things. And there are other agencies represented on that task force. I won't go into the details about the specific agencies, but there are a range of Australian agencies that assist us. And frankly, it's genius because from a democratic perspective, you don't want government involved in delivering elections. You know, you want the independent commission. And so that task force is set up and it's got some of my staff on the task force, but then there's an air gap. Its role is to provide advice to the commissioner. I can either use that advice, not use that advice, ignore it, uh, be advised by it. So it's not, they're not involved in directing anything. They have no power to direct me in any way, shape or form. But it's been really useful, um, you know, and we've made some statements at the end of the 2019 election that in the opinion of the task force, there was no detected foreign interference that would have influenced the outcome of the election. I think uh, we've made a public statement again uh, for this election that's just gone based on the advice of the task force. So it's an assurance mechanism. It's a live mechanism that we can use during the event. It has a home here. It's the first time we've co-located it in our brand new uh, command centre, which we're very proud of. It's a genius move and it's fantastic. And we're really appreciative of that task force. Were you surprised by the level of disinformation around the 2022 poll? Surprised or disappointed? Uh, I don't think we were surprised. It's one of the reasons we set up all of the mechanisms, a little stunned at some of it. I need to be very careful here. Elections are a contest of ideas and Australians have the right to believe whatever they want to believe. You know, if they want to believe the earth is flat, no dramas. That's a matter for them. It's not for me to tell them that. If I use that as a base level, some of the stuff, the misinformation and disinformation that was thrown at the AEC was frankly dumb. In my view, if you're going to pick a disinformation, piece of disinformation that would stick, one of the ones that did the rounds here, but you, you may not have seen it, was about the AEC was using Dominion voting machines. We don't use voting machines. You, you actually go into the polling place and vote by paper and pencil, but this thing got a life of its own. It's just, it's phenomenally stupid. Um, that you would use that as a piece of disinformation. So we were surprised by some of that. I, I would say that disinformation has been a part of every election since the first election in ancient Greece. What's changed is the technology able to spread that stuff at such a rapid rate. You may or may not remember this. We had a great one at the 2019 election, which still does the rounds occasionally called VONC, Vote of No Confidence. No, that was bizarre. But it became one of these issues that the more we dealt with it and got the social media companies to remove it, the more people said there must be something in it, otherwise you wouldn't be taking it down. There's an issue there about how you deal with mis and disinformation to stop it propagating because those who are conspiracy-minded then see everything you do through the lens of that conspiracy. So, look, not surprised. That's why we did what we did, but there was a lot of it. And uh, I guess that's the future of elections. You're listening to Very Public Affairs, the regular podcast of the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs. The Centre is a membership by company organisation comprising 150 member corporations across Asia Pacific. 
We work with our members to disseminate international best practice on managing corporate public affairs. And we offer and deliver professional development to public affairs practitioners globally, including via our online learning platform. The centre also conducts research into managing the function. Follow us on Twitter or LinkedIn, or visit us at www.accpa.com.au or download the Centre's app, which is available both on iTunes and Google Play. You had a very sophisticated operation, possibly using your command centre, which I believe emanated from the reputation strategy, which was to counter any disinformation that you found out there and to publish it on a disinformation register so it was actually accounted for. Can you describe what resources and the thinking behind that? Because all of this was in real time. really was. You know, as Australians... We never want to trumpet stuff that we do as Australians. You always sort of hide your light under a bushel. But I think what the AEC did really was global best practice. And the reputation management strategy was critical to that. But we did several things, all of which were interlinked. You might remember we ran a campaign called Stop and Consider. Uh, and I'm happy to talk about that because I'd love to claim total credit for that one. But we did steal it in a way from the Swedes, who at that point were world leaders. They ran a campaign, which apparently sounds great in Swedish, that was, if it makes you angry it's probably fake. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that and I spoke to the Swedes. I thought, it's not bad, but we road tested that slogan over here and it didn't fly with the community. And so we did stop and consider the source, which was great. And then the way we handled issues, as stuff came up and it was serious, if there were serious issues that were getting traction, we listed it on the disinformation register. But you might remember, we also had established a YouTube channel called AEC TV. And we had our own little TV studio. And when I say TV studio, just so that people don't think we're blowing money, it is an empty room with a wall and an iPhone. But we would immediately do a video about that issue, whether it was the Dominion voting machine, conspiracy, other stuff out of the US or other countries, and put that on our YouTube channel. And then between the disinformation register and our social media, we'd point back to the video to try and deal with that level of disinformation. And I have to say, the Australian public reacted really well to that. And uh, other journalists did as well. So when they were talking about what was on our disinformation register. They were using the YouTube videos that we had up. I think in the end, we got 100 and something videos, all of which were three minutes or less, you know, so people could get in and get a quick uh, look. And final thing with that, sorry to make this such a long answer, like a lot of other organizations, we used a social media scraping tool. It's called Falcon. And it doesn't do any private conversations like at all, but any public conversations, it would sweep through where it saw Australian elections or AEC if it was a piece of misinformation, we would immediately take action, even in that public setting. And, and occasionally, if it got legs, we'd put up a video and try and deal with it. And we think that's why some of those outlandish conspiracy theories never got traction, because we hit them with a whole range of different things. We're very proactive and aggressive about it. And it seemed to work mostly. Commissioner, what do you think was the motivation, especially for individuals who wanted to spread disinformation and especially the original source of information to undermine the confidence or integrity of the election? Or are they just civic pests? I think that's a great way of, of viewing it. I, I think for a couple of individuals, there, there are clearly in every endeavour um, in human life, there are civic pests and they're going to be with us forever. Some people genuinely believe some of this stuff, by the way. So I've got to be a bit cautious about what I say here. Like they genuinely, genuinely believe what they believe for other individuals. And that's why it was actually the genesis of the name of the reputation management strategy. It's about the reputation of Australia's electoral system. Because if, if we looked at what happened 
in some overseas countries, and I'm deliberately not naming countries, but you can work out you know, what I'm talking about. What actually happened was the delivery of the election was fine, but the reputation of the electoral system collapsed because of mis- and disinformation. And so I think the motivation for some of those individuals is to create doubt about the operation of the electoral system. Now, we're very lucky in our legislation. It's a great piece of legislation that says there will be an electoral commission and it'll do all of these things. But one of those things is effectively it says, oh, and by the way, anything else you reckon you should do to run, you know, a good, well, happy days. Um, that's something we need to do to protect the reputation. And as I think I might have mentioned at the start of this, we've already done some research about what citizens think after the event. I think I mentioned that. And nine out of 10 Australians at the end of that election said, you know, we did a good job with the election. They trust the AEC. I think part of that is our reputation management strategy. We're lucky too in that Australians love a quick result and we had a quick result. In part, that's beyond the control of the AEC because lawfully, we have to wait for 13 days after election day for postal votes to return, particularly for close seats. So if there's a huge number of close seats, that can delay the election result. And when you get into that zone, people always think there's some reason behind the delay. It doesn't matter how many times you explain it's the law. So we were lucky this time around as well. Election commissions often say, we don't care who wins. We just hope for a landslide. And, and that's the electoral administrator's dream because it makes it clear cut. Uh, and I think all of those things together led to a good result. Um, but the motivation of those individuals odd civic pests, genuine belief, a deliberate campaign. And final bit of that is I'm very conscious elections are really about those that lose, not those that win. You've got to conduct the election in a way that the, the people that lose can accept the result with grace. So it's got to be a safe result. And for some individuals, they go into the election before the elections even started saying it's not going to be fair because they don't think they're going to win and this is part of their way of creating the groundwork, I guess. Do you think that the system of compulsory voting we have here in Australia, which includes knowing before an election how many voters are on the electoral roll, do you think that's a bulwark against uh, conspiracies or false claims that you know millions of voters um, may not have voted or millions of votes uh, have gone missing? Uh, I really do. And, and not only that, it's pretty hard if you've actually voted to then claim it was nothing to do with you. I don't like the result. Um, everyone has their say. Research shows that the vast majority of Australians still support compulsory voting. I think for that reason, people feel very connected uh, to the Australian election. It's not just something that other people do. It, it's a community event that we all do. So I'm, I'm a big supporter both um, professionally and personally You know that process. I think it's one of the strengths of our system. And if you look at the turnout, Interestingly, the last election, I think we had a low turnout rate because of the pandemic, but our low turnout rate was something like 90%. If you look at low turnout rate overseas in some of the overseas countries, that can be down in the 60% mark, which brings into questions legitimacy, and that doesn't occur in Australia. Can we expect in the next federal election, whenever that is held, and even in some of the state elections, because the commission is working closely with the state electoral commissions, can we expect the same type of operation in relation to integrity and reputation and dis and misinformation that we saw leading up to the May 2022 election? Hmm. There's a few things in that. I think when I mentioned before, when we delivered the election, which already seems like a million years ago, a few short months ago, I think what we did represented global best practice. But now I think it represents the minimum standard for election delivery. So what we did then is now, yep, 
that's great. But next election, you'll need to be the next level so that we continually need to adapt. The states are doing different things, but we're all working together on this as well. So we're learning from each other. For example, we've already provided our reputation management strategy to the Victorian Electoral Commission, who are taking that and adapting it further for their own needs. And it's an example of the sort of information sharing that we do. I've just had a meeting today. We've got an internal team called our Defending Democracy Unit who do fantastic work. uh, And we're already talking about the next event and how we're going to adapt our own reputation management strategy, the sorts of stuff we're doing. The social media component of that, that's a different kettle of fish. There's a whole you know, separate session on that. We took a big risk with that. I took a personal risk with that, the way we set that up. Um, We were the most assertive, I think, of any Commonwealth government agency uh, with our social media strategy, and there's a risk in that. Interestingly, before the event, we spent a lot of time setting the parameters, and I said to the team, I think I'll be happy about 80% of the time with what we do with this, because I can't clear every tweet. A lot of other agencies, you know, the agency heads panics about uh, individual tweets. I think we got it about 80% right. Uh, we annoyed a lot of people along the way as well because people don't like us pointing out that they may have a fact wrong, that it was not something they welcome. But 80% we got about right, which I think is excellent. Uh, the 20% we got wrong, you know, we're learning from that, try and do it differently next time. But when you are correcting mis- and disinformation, you're always welcome with open arms. But that strategy, whether the states copy that strategy, that's something for them, given the risks involved, and the decision-making that you've got to make and I had to make as the agency head about what I was prepared to accept. I'm, I'm really glad we did it. I'm very proud of the team and the work we did, and we worked very closely together on a daily basis, as I'm sure you could imagine. But I did have some sleepless nights with some of the stuff we were doing, and um, I wouldn't want to say that bit you need to do because that's a matter that the state commissions are going to have to confront themselves. Commissioner Rogers, thank you very much for your time. No dramas. Thanks very much. And thank you for listening to Very Public Affairs. We look forward to you joining us next time. Bye for now. If you enjoyed this episode of Very Public Affairs, subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. For more, visit the Centre for Corporate Public Affairs website at www.accpa.com.au.